Good morning, Castaways, and welcome to Twists and Torches. My name is Cameron, and I am your host. And today, we're going to be doing our Episode 2 of Survivor 41 recap. Now, unfortunately, my guest host for this evening dropped out. So I am, for the most part, on my own. But I do have a variety of former Survivor players on speed dial. Um, with my voice that I can call upon at any time and uh, we can discuss with them. Should be fun. All right. So before I get into the episode, I need to issue a retraction for last week. And I have to deeply apologize for pronouncing the name of the yellow tribe wrong, which I thought was you say, like you say, and it's actually Yasa, like NASA. So that's interesting. So that's uh, I'd like to deeply apologize to any viewers I've offended by mispronouncing that tribe's name. So it's Yasa. I'm going to have to remember that. All right. So just like the episode, we're going to jump right in because we had no previously on Survivor. Jeff just kind of wasn't there at the, the beginning of the episode. Um, definitely, definitely new, uh, definitely a little jarring for a, you know, a long time fan. It's something I'm very used to hearing, you know, except for obviously premieres. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit different. I mean, maybe it'll save them a little bit of time, uh, just so they can pack more action into the episode. And this episode certainly was action packed, very little, uh, subtle camp dynamics, very little, uh, small conversations. It was very much big action big events that are happening in the episode. So let's go. So we go right to the Ua tribe who had just voted out Sarah, missed her already. Uh, and uh, the first segment we get is from our good friend, Brad. Now, Brad, um, he has a little bit of a Tony moment here. He decides, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go listen at the water well. I'm going to hide in the bushes and see what everybody's talking about. He seemed to have some kind of distrust with maybe JD and Ricard and thought maybe they were talking about him. So Brad decides, you know what? I think that I can beat them to the water well. So he sprints uh, very, very Tony-esque was, you know, the first thing that I thought. And he sprints to the water well. It kind of, he doesn't really build a shack or go up in a tree. It's not quite as dramatic, but he kind of hides in the bushes and uh, listens in on the conversation that JD and Ricard are having. And they use the word him. And Brad so uh, ad adequately puts it in his confessional. He says, well, there's two men and the, there's a tribe of three men. So him is, it's me, has to be me. So uh, well put, Brad. Uh, it's a great a classic confessional. So Brad is thinking, you know what? I can't trust these guys and got to listen to their conversation. His, his name, uh, although not his name, but his pronoun does come up um, and he figures out they're talking about him and so gets a little bit of information. But the thing is, and they didn't necessarily show us this right away, is he did this in plain view of his other two tribe mates. Uh, he just took off while his two tribe mates that weren't going to the water well, um, they, they just saw him do it. So when he gets back, he has to tell Shan about this. 
And Shan uh, gives a confessional is kind of like, well, he's a little bit of a wild card. You know, can I really trust him? Uh, he, what if he does that to me? And I think that's perfectly valid. Um, Tony kind of mastered this art. Either he did it by himself in Kageyam or his his ride or die to the end, Sarah was the other person that knew about it. And so she even knew sometimes when he was hiding and she was having a conversation, um, which is interesting. But in this case, that's not true because Brad doesn't reassure Shan at all. Uh, he didn't have a prior relationship like Tony had the luxury of having with Shan. Obviously, you know, they're strangers competing on Survivor. So yeah, uh, I'm not too sure about that move by Brad. Not too sure. If he was on Island of the Idols, um, maybe Boss and Rob would have said, you know, kid, uh, Brad, I, I don't know what he's thinking, this guy. Uh, he's clearly not from, from around here. Uh, I, I would have I voted his ass off right away. Thank you. Thank you, Boss and Rob. I appreciate the, the sentiment there and, and your thoughts on Brad. But I, I like Brad. Uh, I think he's he's a riot. I think he's uh, really entertaining, and I hope he stays around, but he's getting a little bit of hot water. In fact, Shan goes to Ricard pretty quickly and spills the beans, if you will, and is like, hey, Ricard, uh, he was listening to that conversation. Ricard, first thing he says, so I didn't say anything bad. Um, but, of course, you know, it doesn't matter. What matters was Brad was was listening and Shan told him about it. So now Ricard probably has some distrust of Brad. Noticed a pattern this season um, already. It's only episode two where people tend to have some loose lips here. They tend to kind of break, uh, you know, immediately break out of what's happening uh, and, and tell the person, tell someone else on their tribe what happened. We saw it with the, the Blue Tribe uh, and the Nasir situation in the premiere. And now we get it here with Shan kind of telling Ricard everything, trying to maybe build some trust there. So uh, Brad might be in a little bit of trouble on his tribe. All right, and next we get pretty much the only bit of Luvu we see for the episode, aside from the, the summit, uh, I think is, I don't know if they're still calling it a summit because it's only two people this time, but Aside from the summit, this is pretty much all we get of Luvu. Um, we haven't heard from Heather pretty much at all. She's been fairly invisible, which is a shame uh, because she seems uh, entertaining and she seemed to be cheering on her tribe pretty handily at the immunity challenge. But in this Luvu segment, um, basically we get Nasir and Sean and Sean is doing his best to make fire and he tells the story of, oh, I had my family and it took us hours and we had a flint and we were trying to make the fire and we couldn't do it. And he said that, the difference between a you know a long machete and a short knife uh, it's pretty significant which i you know totally can understand and then nasir kind of uh survivor macgyvers it just comes in and it we don't even really see his method it's almost like magic he just kind of conjures the fire out of nowhere uh like a like a tie or a joe uh very interesting from nasir that he has kind of these survival skills and we get another one of these uh outside the game flashbacks which again, still a little jarring. I, I was kind of hoping that they were done with it after the premiere, but he, uh, you know, he talks about his village growing up and how he had very little, a uh, little bit of kind of a, a situation that you might see in a movie. 
where the they have very little in terms of necessities and, and have to get by. And so that's why Nasir maybe has some skills that other people might not have just because of lack of luxury. Um, and Sydney uh, has a little bit of a moment where she's just simply amazed by Nasir and gives a confessional, hey, like, you know, for a while we were thinking we got to keep this guy around for a little bit. We'll learn from him and then we can get rid of him. But now it's it's almost like he's pretty essential. He's a provider. Uh, there's a funny bit of Nasir kind of chucking objects at breadfruit in the trees and he somehow gets one down. And yeah, it's it's wild. Definitely not the, the tree climbing of Ozzy. He has a little bit of a different method, but definitely interesting. So that's it for Luvu for this episode. Uh, haven't gotten too much from them, which is a shame, but that's all right. All right, and now we go to Yasa. I got it right this time, Yasa. And um, we have some some a little bit of insight into the new shortened game with the, the new format, you know, the punishment for the tribe losing as well as no rice. And it really seems evident that they're struggling. Uh, Tiffany gives a confessional that she's hard up for food and she's really hungry. And that, you know, having absolutely zero rice is just, just brutal. And I, I can totally understand that. Uh, Tiffany, you know, uh, very, uh, it did end up showing in the challenge as well. So this is kind of foreshadowing in this confessional. Uh, we get the, the rest of the tribe as well. Voce, Evie, Liana, um, they're all kind of talking about um, how, how difficult it's been survival-wise, especially I, without the flint. I mean, on day four already, like usually you get one after the first tribal on day three, and then you're pretty much good for the rest of the game. But with this punishment, yeah, definitely taking its toll here. And and we're, we'll see that in the challenge that Yasa just kind of looks a little bit worn out, in particular Tiffany. Um, we get a confessional from Xander, who has my vote for the most unique voice of the season. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely doesn't kind of fade into the crowd like a typical guess, surfer bro archetype would be. He has a very interesting voice, and he gives a, a confessional uh, that I think you know might cement him as as one of the more interesting confessionalists of the season. So speaking of Xander, we get our first look at the immunity idols this season. So we had, you know, a premiere that was chock full of twists. There was the one in six dice roll uh, RNG silly game at, uh, I'm sorry, is that, is that offensive? I'm sorry, Survivor producers, that I don't like this uh, carnival game that you're calling a uh, twist. <laughs> but anyway, Xander finds an idol. And the, but before he can open it, before he, he doesn't know it's an idol, nah, but it, it's probably an idol. Let's be real. It was in a tree. This was the one that Jeff hid in the premiere uh, and Xander finds it and it says, beware. And it says, uh, you know, you can accept this advantage, but there's a caveat. So Xander wanted to take big risks. He already took a risk. He has that extra vote. He opens it up. And what the twist is, is it is an immunity idol, but it currently has no power. In fact, it will not gain any power until the other two idols for the other two tribes have been found. And the way that they, the way that they find out if that has power, the producers don't tell them, they don't get up at tribal and play it and hope it does, is the three people who find the idol have to say their secret phrase at the immunity challenge, which is apple pie. No, 
Um, but that's what I thought of. I very much likened back to, if any of you are Big Brother fans, Big Brother 16, they had a Team America twist and the three people um, were supposed to gather and say that their favorite dessert was apple pie. And that's what struck me. And speaking of Big Brother, he delivers a line about butterflies being dead relatives. Um, I think maybe Jeff had dinner with Julie Chen the night before he came up with this uh, this twist and maybe, you know, had some, some ideas from there. So Xander uh, reads this and then there's another twist to this and it's it's almost a punishment. While that idol has no power, so until the other two idols of the same kind get found and, you know, they see the beware and open it, he cannot vote at tribal council. So that second vote that he has, that's useless. He doesn't have his first vote. And this is a really bad time. On a tribe of five that's struggling in challenges, that's a big punishment. That's that's a huge chunk of the voting base. And it's, it's really hard for him to protect himself, just numbers-wise, regardless of his position on the tribe. So... A lot of people have been talking about this twist. I think it's interesting. Uh, it's definitely something that they haven't done before. The closest we got was probably the, uh, it's kind of a cross between the Kelly Wentworth, you know, Cambodia finding an idol in a challenge and the uh, edge of extinction where you have to give half the idol to someone. It's kind of a combo of that, but it's interesting that either there are zero idols in the game or three. The other thing this twist does is it restricts the ability of them to swap into two tribes. I suppose they could swap into the green and blue beaches, but it seems a little bit uh, far-fetched. So at the end of tonight's episode, with three people gone, we're down to 15. So the only possible swap would be three tribes of five or the two of seven with someone going to exile, which I somehow don't see them doing this season, even though they hammered on the twists. I don't think they have time for that and the summit. And the summit game only works with more than one person. So logically, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So they, they are kind of restricting themselves here into keeping the tribes unless they reshuffle and do three tribes of five. Um, and, and they've done stuff like that early on, but I don't think they've ever shifted from three tribes to three tribes. Uh, survivor historians correct me on this, but as far as I know, no dice, never happened. So definitely a unique twist. I guess we'll see how it works out. Personally, I think it's a little overcomplicated and maybe the lose a vote is too punishing, especially since it's until the other ones are found. I mean, what if they're never found? Like, can he never vote? Um, I, I don't know specifically, you know, the stipulations. And, and is he going to have to say that goofy butterfly phrase every challenge? I mean, I guess he could wait until someone says their phrase, but it would still look weird. Like the rest of the the castaways would be like what didn't he say that like a few days ago very just kind of off-putting um yeah so we don't get anything from day five morning or anything like that um this was the pretty much the end of day four uh, we get a little bit of the politics of yasa where xander's talking about oh i have all these advantages and talks to voce and evie about it um but evie gives a confessional uh, and it's revealed that she is leaning towards working with the women of the tribe. So Tiffany and Liana, as opposed to Xander and Boche, which uh, we had just seen them together uh, before Xander found the idol as well. So yeah, definitely a, a little bit of an alliance shift um, 
kind of pulling the rug out from under the audience. And we will see this play out. Spoiler alert, Yasa wins or loses the challenge and ends up going to Tribal. So we will see that play out at Tribal later. So the next segment is the immunity challenge, and it's, you know, pretty much a staple of this era. Has to do with water, there's a balance beam, there's multiple obstacles, you know, one person goes at a time, and then of course the puzzle at the end. So pretty standard challenge, nothing, nothing super exciting. Um, we do have the omission of the come on in guys. Uh, they just don't say it. They don't include it in the episode. Uh, not sure if, if that was edited before and that was the way that it went or because of some of the social media buzz around it. Maybe they wanted to cool it down for a week. Not sure. But either way, uh, we don't hear Jeff say anything. They just go right to the challenge. Definitely uh, some editing risks this season in terms of what is usually done and not isolated to the premiere. We definitely got more of that this episode as well. So they're definitely, uh, definitely, you know, hamming up the, the new era survivor, you know, it's 41 drop the four as, as Jeff has said. So at the immunity challenge, Sander gives his, you know, the, the phrase, uh, I think he did a okay job of segueing into it based on Jeff's question, but it still was very jarring in the, uh, Luvu and Uwo were like, what? Who's this whack job? Uh, so definitely, uh, it felt more Big Brother-like than Survivor. Um, they're definitely, again, like I said, taking some risks with the gameplay as well as the editing. So we'll see. Uh, it, it seems to be getting a mixed reception, and I would agree with that to, to some point. All right, so what ends up happening is, uh, you know, the two, the three groups of five score off. Uh, Luvu had to sit someone, so Heather ends up sitting. And, uh, you know, we get the survivors ready, and they, they're off to the races. Um, we have some pretty decent athletic displays, swimming ability going on. Um, but the big crux of the challenge was Tiffany's, uh, Tiffany versus the balance beam. So oftentimes with balance beams, especially in the water, Sometimes you can go on them too fast, you know, so if you fall, you have to go back, it happened to Brad, you had to go back, uh, but then you can switch to a method where you're just sitting and you're kind of shimmying along the, the balance beam, and that's what ended up, what Brad ended up doing, it's a pretty interesting foil to what happened to Tiffany, where she actually started sitting down and was kind of pulling herself across the balance beam, and she fell using that method, she kind of, you know, stretched out too far, um, and then had to fall into the water and had to go again, really holding up her tribe here. Um, so that was, especially in a challenge where there's only one loser, that really hurts. And Tiffany's performance, again, uh, kind of held her tribe back this, this episode. So eventually, Tiffany, with a slow-mo applause and cheering, uh, she does manage to get past the obstacle. Uh, I do think that the editors were trying to show us that, yes, the, the exhaustion is real this season. Maybe exhaustion is the monster that Jeff was referring to. So think about that. I think, I think he was onto something, guys. I don't think it was a marketing stunt. I think, it's, I think it's the real deal, exhaustion. So Tiffany struggles. Eventually, she manages to get across. But at this point, Yasa is very behind because the other tribes have already started the puzzle, even though Liana goes at the speed of sound and she gets to the end very quickly, you know, sense of urgency. Unfortunately, uh, they're, they're up against a real insurmountable lead. And this is one of those puzzles where 
a lot of the pieces look similar, kind of like the, the gear one, where once you get that first piece in, because there's eight of them, I think they, they did it on like South Pacific. It's, it's been on a bunch of seasons, oftentimes late in the game, individual. And once you've put in a couple pieces, it gets immensely easier. So like having that lead and that head start was huge. So even though, uh, honestly, Ua was like a little bit slow on the puzzle, Ricard was taking his time and definitely evaluating where each piece goes because they had that head start. There was no chance. And Luvu, you know, continues to dominate a challenge challenges. So they, they kind of killed this one, but Ua manages to edge out Yasa. Uh, they get small fishing gear. Luvu for winning gets the, the big fishing gear, which is a big deal, uh, especially for Yasa to lose that. A lot of people are drawing a comparison to the Luzon Braves, Brains tribe from Kagayan. Um, even with the boot order has been a little bit uh, reminiscent of that. So that's a big loss. And they also lose their flint. So Yasa is, uh, as the kids say, down bad in this episode. And I feel like they're, they're trying their best. You know, it's it's a tough season. It's a tough game. They've got some good physical competitors. I mean, Liana just flew through the end of that. Uh, Boche and Xander are no slouch either. Uh, they do have, again, an issue with Tiffany's challenge performance, and that is going to be on the docket at tonight's Tribal as a reason to target her. And it's Boche's main vocalization and reason, at least outwardly, to target her to others. So... Before we get back to the tribal politicking and we get to tribal council, there's the decision to be made. So Luvu having won the challenge, they get to choose one person from Yasa to go to this summit situation and they end up choosing Evi. And then they have to then choose someone from Ua or their own tribe. And Deshaun immediately volunteers. He says, I want to see what this is about. My, my pal Danny went last time. And I, I want to see what's going on. I, I, I think this Evie, I think, I think maybe we'll connect. Maybe we can form a bond, you know, form an inner tribal alliance. And uh, yeah, it'll be good. So Deshaun says, let's go, let's do it. And uh, so they, they take off. Um, it is, you know, announced that uh, Evie will be back before tribal council. So there's still possibility that Evie gets voted out. And um, so they, they make that decision and the two of them head off. So we get back to Yasa, and this is without Evie, so there's only the four of them. Tiffany, you know, she owns up to, hey guys, you know, I'm sorry, not my best performance for sure. I was totally wiped. I couldn't, you know, shimmy myself off that balance beam. She really did. She looked like she was about to collapse. I, I did feel uh, some sympathy for her there. Uh, definitely a difficult survival situation for someone who's not used to something like this. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the tribe is kind of all over the place. We don't really know. It, it seems to me that Evie is the strategic center, not just in the middle between kind of the two factions, but also that, that Evie is really the, the decision maker and the one who people kind of look to uh, for strategy, which makes sense uh, because Evie's clearly a fan, clearly, I, I don't want to say game bot, um, but that kind of does come out that uh, the decision is made based on the possibility of a swap and the odds of, of that happening as opposed to keeping the tribe stronger, even, uh, you know, necessarily trust. We don't really know what Evie's relationship with Tiffany is like, other than she's kind of aligned with her. So it's, it's a little bit unclear there. 
So maybe a little game body, uh, can't decide, but I guess we'll see. So then we get to the summit between Evie and Deshaun. Um, you know, they give their confessionals as they're going up the mountain. They, they meet, each, meet and greet each other. And Evie decides to, again, theme of the season, spill the beans to Deshaun. So Evie reveals that, uh, you know, most likely uh, it is Voce or Xander going home and not Tiffany, because Tiffany is, you know, with her. Um, it, it's a lot of info that Evie is revealing to Deshaun here. And Deshaun's saying like, all right, yeah, keep, keep it coming. And he doesn't really reveal anything. Um, and, and it's just kind of like a blabbermouth, loose lips thing, more so than a bonding thing, because you can do that without, it, it just feels like very aggressive, but aggressively sloppy gameplay to me. Um, I know that there were some mixed feelings on social media after the episode. Some people saying that Evie is playing a fantastic game. Other people saying that it was a horrible game. I think that it's a little bit sloppy, but it's definitely appropriate for a super fan turned player. I feel like if I were to go out there, I would maybe make similar mistakes. I mean, I have a loud mouth as it is. But I feel like as a super fan, you see these crazy things. And, and what you remember truly is the, the exciting stuff, the real big moments. And those big moments are, you know, big moves. She voted out her mom, things like that. So I feel like there is a tendency. And it, I mean, it happened. It's happened to a lot of super fans. I mean, look at Max from Worlds Apart. Spencer did it. Uh, so it's it's a trap. It's a trap for sure. Uh, but I feel like Evie can recover. I think Evie is in a good enough social position that it, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. So we get the decision wheel. Uh, Evie tells Deshaun immediately, hey, listen, I'm, I'm protecting my boat. I don't want to risk it as much as, you know, I'd want to trust you. I want to give, I want to gift you an extra boat. Here you go. And this is where it's not the prisoner's dilemma. And already, even just one episode in, we see gaming the system. It's, hey, I'm giving you this extra vote. Maybe you can help me out with that later on. Because there is zero risk in keeping it. Because if Deshaun decides, you know what? I'm not too sure about her. I'm going to keep my vote. I'm going to protect it. That nothing bad happens to him. There's no consequence. And there's no consequence for Evie to basically hand him an extra vote other than she loses her opportunity to get one, but also mitigates her risk of losing her one vote. It's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you're gaining social and strategic acumen because you're giving someone that you've bonded with, that your tribe mates don't have that advantage, that the Uwa tribe doesn't have that advantage of knowing Sean. Only you have that power. It's, it's amazing how underestimated the little moments and the, you know, just even just having one conversation with someone before it's game time and game talk at the merge feast. It's under, underestimated how powerful that is. It's the same sentiment that, oh, well, Chris being on the edge of extinction, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't that big of an advantage. But having a, an opportunity in a social situation, somewhat outside of the game, because you can't vote them out. I mean, it's similar with, with Redemption Island, right? If, someone, if you're on Redemption Island with someone, 
and you have a great conversation if you know if it was one of the seasons where there's multiple duels and there can be two to three people there at once if you're there with them for a long time you have a really good chance of getting their vote at the end because they see that story they see that you had this this comeback but even in a situation like this where you're not there for an extended period of time even having one conversation is such an advantage and that's why this game is a little bit maybe they didn't think it through because I think it's a little bit too powerful, if you will, because already it's been gamed. So I could see it happening every episode if they continue to do this, and we'll have a litany of extra votes, and it'll be hard to keep track of it all. Already my head's kind of spinning with the triple idol, and now we have three additional votes out there, but one person can't vote right now. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a mess. So we could end up with a tribe of six, say Lugu goes to tribal council, that's two extra votes. That's eight votes with only six people. And like, what if one more person goes to the summit? We could end up with nine votes and only six people if nobody finds that idol. So you might need five votes to stay. And three of those people have double the voting power of the, the rest of their tribe. So it incentivizes you have to align with those people. And, and this again is where it feels like Survivor is heading down kind of a big brother road. Uh, I, you know, I'm a viewer of, of Big Brother as well. Congratulations to Z Oh, spoiler alert. Congratulations to Xavier on his win last night. But I do think that it's a, it's an interesting idea, but having everything together at once, it was almost like having the edge with the fire tokens. It just seems like overkill. It's hard to keep track of, but hey, we got some good moments with those fire tokens. We got the extortion. We got the, the Boston Rob sneaky you know even the editors didn't tell us so i mean maybe the survivor producers know what they're doing after 20 years and me a 25 year old kid recording a podcast in his mom's basement uh doesn't <laughs> don't listen to me i said sarah was gonna win the season all right so that's the summit decision wheel ends up playing out exactly as they said so deshaun gets an extra vote he does not so we get a little bit of politicking, but it's pretty much more of the same of what happened earlier. And this is one of the most obvious boots I think I've seen in a long time, even of an early boot, not just in the edit, but just like the way the, like even ignoring the edit because the Jessica Pete boot was pretty obvious edit wise, but, but the way that the players are talking and even interacting with each other, it's so clear it's so clear that Boche is gone. I mean, he has no chance. Xander can't vote, and Xander is his closest ally. Evie is clearly leaning towards the Tiffany-Liana side. The only really interesting bit we get is where Tiffany, just like me, got confused by the rules of the idol. And she was very uh, showing some signs of paranoia that she was going to get voted out because Xander plays an idol. And I don't know if Voce was already the target or if it was Xander and it was actually switched because of this, but regardless, Liana and Evie agree to vote for Voce off camera, I'm assuming, just because they didn't want to make it that obvious. But yeah, it was pretty clear that Voce was going home. Evie and Liana have a brief conversation about, oh, Tiffany, she's a little paranoid. Maybe she's a wild card. Do we care about tribe strength? But it was all for show. Uh, it was obvious. So we get to tribal council. Um, we get some interesting, you know, back and forth. Boche very clearly saying, hey, tribe strength, and pointing right at Tiffany. There's really nobody else who's struggling challenge-wise. 
Um, and Voce talks about his drive to succeed as a neurosurgeon um, and that he actually, interestingly, he reveals he was not super smart growing up, which kind of surprised me as a viewer and someone who did a little bit of background research on some of the contestants, obviously for the cast assessment. It surprised me. I thought he was kind of a career, um, you know, this is what I wanted to do my whole life. And I always was ahead of the curve. And so, yeah, we get a little bit of insight into Voce, who I pegged as probably the season villain. Uh, and that didn't, uh, didn't exactly pan out. So again, don't take too much, uh, take my predictions with a grain of salt. I, I don't know anything. So then we, we get a little bit of conversation about, hey, what's really tribe strength? Is it strength and challenges? Is it loyalty? Evie talks kind of like about a, a calculated risk of, oh, well, and she says this openly at tribal. Is it, uh, you know, is the swap coming? Is there a merge coming? Are we going to two tribes? Are we going to three? Are we going to four? And this is where kind of the gay body super fan comes in. Uh, definitely some some blunders talking about this openly. Also, Michaela Bradshaw-like uh, reveal from MVGX. And it, it can, you know, put some people off. Maybe Lana's thinking, wow, Evie's kind of scary. So, I mean, you never know. Uh, Evie could be the big uh, strategic force in the pre-merge and then end up going out early. We'll see what happens, but definitely getting a big edit so far, a uh, big part of the gameplay. So it's time to vote. Uh, Xander can't vote, so he gets up there and he has like a little thing that says, oh, sorry, bud, can't vote. Your princess is in, in another castle. But the three votes is enough to get rid of Voce. And he doesn't seem all that surprised. Maybe he did know. Um, but Voce saying goodbye, too bad. I, uh, I was looking forward to him kind of stirring some things up. He was very blunt in his interviews at the beginning about coming to play and was willing to be a villain. And people were saying, oh, he's the next Russell Hans," and didn't really pan out that way. And some people on social media did seem to be a bit disappointed in the result. But the Yasa tribe continues to uh, decrease the average challenge performance and maybe that will bite them again. Maybe they'll lose their flint again and have even worse luck, but there could also be a swap. You never know. So unfortunately down goes Voce. And overall pretty standard second episode, nothing too crazy. I am a little disappointed by the lack of Luvu content and even Ua. I mean, we got some good bits at the beginning with kind of Brad, but after that, we didn't see them very much. Um, at least with Luvu, we got the bit with Deshaun going to the summit, and Uwa didn't have that. So, yeah, a uh, little bit disappointing there. Uh, on my kind of the sheet that I'm looking at, everything is Yas, Yas, I almost said Yase, Yasa. Everything's yellow, every, the whole episode. And I understand that, you know, in a pre merge episode where they're the one that go to tribal, it makes sense. But yeah, there was very, very heavy Yasa in this episode. So I'm hoping we get a little more balance. Chidi was completely absent from this episode, and I can't even begin to express my disappointment. She wasn't in the bit about Brad running down the beach. Maybe she was doing a confessional. Uh, she wasn't part of the conversation between Shan and Ricard. We didn't see too much of her in the challenge. I need more genie on my screen, CBS. Can you hear me, Jeff? More genie, please. Anyway, that is it for me this week. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope it was enjoyable. And if you liked it, 
go ahead and give us a follow. We're also on Twitter so that you can be updated when new episodes go live. There should be another recap next week with a guest host this time, and it's a fun one. It's not a former Survivor player, but I'm excited about it because it's someone that I know and that I know is fun. Have a good one, and uh, thanks for listening.